0: Well, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome our next guest. The book that we are talking about is called The Emporium of Imagination. And I tell you what, the minute I got it in my hot hands, I read it from cover to cover. It is wonderful. We have the author online, Tabitha Bird. Good morning, Tabitha.
1: Oh, good morning. It is such a pleasure to be here today, and uh, thank you for the warm welcome.
0: Oh, look, the book's magnificent. Before we get into that, though, we need to clear up. Are you any relation to Henry Byrd, the champion English chess player of the late 1800s? Um, Well, you never know, do
1: you? I mean, tracing back history, you just never know where you might be connected. But to my knowledge, no.
0: (laughs) Well, please, let our listeners know the Tabitha Byrd story to date.
1: Yeah, it goes back a little while, but I'll I'll put it in a nutshell for listeners. Basically, um, I did always love telling stories when I was a little girl and told them to my chihuahua and my little sister and really anyone who would give me the time of day. Um, But then as I grew up, I sort of forgot about those things that I loved when I was little until I went into some counseling just to deal with some past trauma. And the counselor actually invited me to start using my imagination to process what I was going through. And I began sending her some writing. And she said, oh, my goodness, like, you can actually write. And I was like, no, I'm just sending you some stuff. (laughs) I was very shy about it. But she was very persistent, thank goodness. And I finally owned my love of writing. Fast forward about four, five years and had a very messy first draft of my first book that eventually found its home at Penguin Random House and is on the shelves. And so then the second one followed that, not then... Very long after, a couple of years after.
0: Your second novel is called The Emporium of Imagination. It is a magnificent book. To me, it was like the Enid Blyton for adults with, uh, what with, a, a, little bit, with a little bit of Doctor <laughs> Who thrown in, I must say. Um, can you give us a sort of brief synopsis of the storyline?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, The Emporium of Imagination is about a very unusual shop that arrives, and I do say arrives, mm-hmm. it isn't built by a human hands. It arrives in the township of Boona, a small country town where I actually live, in the wee hours of the morning. And this shop is very unusual because it offers magical phones that offer people the chance for one last phone call with a lost loved one. It also offers vintage wares that connect you to a lost dream or a lost opportunity or perhaps a lost person that you need to have some connection with in some way, shape or form. And the custodian of the store is named Erletich, and he has a slight problem. His time as custodian is running out, and he's actually disappearing, and he needs to find his replacement before he passes or disappears completely, otherwise the shop will not continue. So that's it in a nutshell, but there's lots of other lovely twists and turns and characters as well.
0: Absolutely. Some nice little surprises dotted throughout. Where did the idea, you know, germinate? Where, where did you come up with this idea?
1: Yeah, so the em- Emporium began really just with the characters' journeys, and I was absolutely obsessed with uh, the young character Enoch and, and his... Um, he started talking to me and I know all writers say characters talk to them but they really do (laughs) um, but then I actually came across this really unusual story which is actually true of this Japanese gardener Mr Itiru who built himself what he calls a wind phone And it's actually a phone booth where he's placed a rotary phone inside. It's disconnected, it's not connected to anything. But he uses the rotary phone to talk to his cousin that had passed the year before as sort of a way for him to process his grief. And when the Japanese tsunami hit in 2011 and wiped out so many people, um, Mr. Otero opened up his phone booth to the public and to this day, thousands of people from around the world actually pilgrimage to this phone booth, and they use the phone as a way to process their grief and talk to people who have passed, and so therefore carrying their grief on the wind, hence the term wind phone. And I just thought, oh my goodness, that is just amazing and beautiful, and what if there were real phones that did this, and what if there was a real shop that couldn't connect us to people? What would that look like? So... That
0: was the seed. Bless. It's such a beautiful uh, idea, and and to know that it's based in reality is is just marvellous. I know you had uh, some real help whilst writing the book. Uh, Lion, that was a (laughs) constant companion. This is your pet chihuahua. Yes. Yeah, she never leaves
1: my side. She thinks she is an author, hence she often ends up in the author photo shoots, and she feels very proud about her little self. If you look at her little face, she's often smiling in photos. So, <laughs> yeah, she's there. She likes to think she's written the book right along with me, and I give her credit in the acknowledgment section.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of that, your husband of 23 years, Matt, now has a book with a beautiful dedication in the front, but I'm wondering if that's just a way of making up for all the eBay purchases you did in your research. <laughs>
1: Oh, how did you guess? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Emporium started moving into our house pretty much the minute I started writing it because I became even more obsessed with vintage goods. And I'd always loved vintage wares, but now I was completely obsessed now that I had an imaginary shop that was actually selling them. So I started finding them online, and I was like, oh, my goodness, these things are gorgeous. Yes, I started purchasing them, and my husband was like, So this shop is like moving in, isn't it? (laughs)